You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome into episode 268 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, once again joined by Scott McLaughlin. Uh, the Bruins had an f- impressive 4-1 to victory over the Winnipeg Jets at the Garden. And Scott, it's it's really a microcosm of of how much better the Bruins are playing. Obviously around this time last month, it was kind of lowest of lows where they, they fell to Winnipeg. They got completely dominated up in Winnipeg. And here we are now in uh, the the back half of January and the Bruins are just playing so much better. So let's jump into our opening shifts right away. Yeah. Well, I think a big part of this, not really so much a turnaround, but just team growth over the last month has been Charlie Coyle, who was already having a really good season, uh, now increasingly playing like a legitimate number one center. Uh, he had a goal and an assist against Winnipeg. He's centering Pasternak and Marshan. He's up to 17 points in his last 14 games. That line has now played five games together. And when they've been on the ice, the Bruins have outscored opponents five to one. Um, he's on pace with... 30 goals and 68 points, which sure, like that's still not a a superstar number one center, but those are really solid number one center numbers. I mean, that's not that I'm comparing him to Bergeron as an all around player. Um, But I mean, those are the kind of numbers, you know, Bergeron and Krejci would put up on a, on a consistent basis is, you know, they're usually in the, in the sixties, like occasionally topping 70, but they were never point per game guys. They were never 90 points. Um, when you have two wingers that good and, and Pasternak and Marchand, you know, the center can be sort of the two-way security blanket and doesn't have to be the, the high point score on the line. But, um, yeah, I mean, Coyle's more than carrying his weight and really stepping up to answer what uh, obviously was this team's biggest question going into the year and, and even early on in the season. Yeah, Coyle's been awesome and, and and definitely integral in in the Bruins' success this year. And you know, if he, you know him and Zaka being number one, number two centers was not a at least production wise was not a guarantee. And and their success was contingent upon can they elevate their game offensively. And so far, Zaka's probably maybe a little bit behind his pace from last year maybe around the same 
Um, but Coyle definitely is elevated. And, and had he not, I mean, the Bruins do pride themselves on structure and, 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 and just a good team game overall. So I don't want to say like if Coyle had, you know, 15 points less, they wouldn't be a playoff team. It's just, but they certainly wouldn't be atop the NHL standings. And that's kind of what my opening shift is, which is just, and this might seem obvious to, 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 to listeners because the Bruins have been atop the standings all year long, but they look different now than they did earlier in the season. And, and, and that's, that's a good thing. Like, I remember saying earlier in the season, like I didn't need the Bruins to be playing their best hockey in October, November, December. You want them playing their best hockey when it as approaching the playoffs. They've done so the entire time accumulating points, but they look different now. And, and I guess it's a, it's a long winded way of me saying the Bruins just really, they're very clearly for real this year. It's not that I didn't think they were a, a, a good playoff team, but you just watch how they played against Colorado, um, playing them twice in short order, obviously not winning both games, but just playing them hard, playing them tough, getting a win out of one of them. Um, Winnipeg is right at the top of the standings. They've been playing some of the best hockey in the league the last, the last you know couple of months, not giving up more than three goals in a game for a, a stretch of like 30-something games or whatever it was. So – and, and yeah, it's it's just this, this Bruins team is they they are among they are deservedly so among the best that the league has to offer this year, despite not having a high end number one center. Yeah, for sure. And the the two Winnipeg games really mark like a, a nice sort of bookend of like where they were versus where they are, because yeah, that that game. I mean, they're literally exactly a month apart, December 22nd, January 22nd. And that loss in Winnipeg was really one of the low points of of the first half. It was their third straight loss. It wound up being four straight losses with Minnesota the next night. Uh, But it's 5-1 game. It wasn't even close. Like, honestly, almost not even as close as that score indicates. They just were totally overmatched in that game. and that was, you know, not that long after that stretch around Thanksgiving where they had also really struggled, you know, especially against, like, the Rangers, the Red Wings, a couple bad losses in there. And you're like, yeah, like, yeah, the Bruins are still up there in points, but, boy, it really looks like they have a ways to go before they can seriously compete with the top teams in the league. Well, now they are. You, you mentioned the two Colorado games beating Winnipeg 4-1, to one, Vegas they played tough, and they're just playing much better hockey. Like, you know, we were all saying it the, much of the first couple months. It was like, okay, record's good, but they, they really are relying on goaltending a lot. You know, the offensive depth wasn't there. Um, they're spending a lot of time in their own zone, giving up odd man rushes. Like, there's clearly a lot to improve on. And you're seeing that now. Like they've been a positive team in terms of scoring chances. Uh, I think it's five of their last six games. Um, they had a lot of games under 500 earlier in the year uh, in terms of scoring chances. So, you know, and you watch that Winnipeg game, the Jets had 10 shots on goal through two periods, zero high danger chances. Like, Bruins were just in control. They were stringing together shifts in the offensive zone. And, you know, 
on one hand, like you could sit there and say, oh, well, they probably didn't get the Jets' best game. And the Jets didn't have Mark Shifley, which is obviously huge for them. But the Jets had still been playing really good hockey recently. They weren't on a back-to-back or anything, so it's not like they were tired. They did just get Kyle Connor back, so that's a big addition for them. Um, and I thought, you know, I thought the Jets played decent. Like, they didn't give the Bruins a ton of great chances either. The Bruins had to work, and they did. And they won, you know, two nights after just blowing the doors off the Canadians and in a very high-scoring, wide-open game. They go out and beat a much better team in, in a low-scoring, defensive, tight-checking game. You know, I'm not going to quite call it a playoff game. I don't think there was really that kind of physical intensity, but more sort of playoff style than, than a 9-4 to game, obviously. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, and 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 last night against a really good Winnipeg team is something that the Bruins have struggled with not just this season, but even dating back a little bit towards, towards last year in the playoffs, which is closing out tight games in the third period with the lead. And it's certainly been an issue this year um, up until recently. So to, to have a two to one lead in the third period while on the penalty kill in the dying minutes of a game um, and to, and to get that insurance marker on the PK from Jake DeBrusque, also included Morgan Geeky. Like, it's just, it's a sign of, yeah, you have to close out teams when, when you're ahead in, in the third period of games. Now, something that we won't be able to see until April is how does this Boston Bruins team, how does their play translate in the postseason as it does pertain to the war of attrition and physicality. Unfortunately, because of their shortcomings last year, that is going to be something that we have to wait and see. And that's not that's not me being pessimistic. That's not me finding a cop out like well, regular season doesn't matter. The regular season does matter, but regular season hockey and postseason hockey are two different things. And unfortunately, they have not given themselves the benefit of the doubt because of their recent shortcomings. That said, we can't find it out now anyway so what they are doing they can only play the games in front of them and those are regular season games and they are playing really well and something that you're noticing with this team be the the a big difference between the team now that's accumulating points and the team earlier in the year that was also accumulating points is that there's just a chemistry factor and a comfortability factor within this lineup especially up front that guys were still getting to know each other. One underrated thing about this Bruins team is that is just how much turnover there was between last year's team and this year's team. So many different faces, so many faces gone. It's not just Bergeron and Krejci. It's Felino. It's Taylor Hall. It's top. And I got myself against that. 
Um, and, you know, Tyler Bertuzzi obviously wasn't here too long, but he was here. Garnet Hathaway, same thing. Um, AJ Greer was around. There's just, and, and, you know, insert Johnny Beecher, Lauco, Steen's been playing a lot more. Obviously, Patra, James Van Riemsdyk, Morgan Geeky. Um, I'm probably missing a few others. And then just the elevated roles of Zaka and Coyle. It's just so much, so much gelling had to take place. It can't happen overnight. And right now, Pasternak, Coyle, and Marshand are phenomenal. Obviously, Pasternak's been amazing all year. Zaka, Debrusque is resurging, and Van Riemsdyk is playing well. That's great. But you know what's really giving people problems right now, Scott, is the Bruins' third line. The size and puck possession and strong play of Geeky and Frederick is giving the NHL problems, and that is something that is really dangerous going into the um, eventually going into the playoffs this year. Yeah, and that that third line with Lauko on it as well. By the way, Jacob Lauko now on a three. He had never even had back to back games with points. He now has a three game point streak, goals in two of the last three. Like we've talked about, you know, the fourth line trying to find an identity. And now, you know, depending on which line you want to call the third, fourth line, like now there's a little more speed skill there where it's Bokvist, Heinen, Padra. Well, that third line is developing an identity with Geeky, Frederick, Lauka. Like that's becoming, you know, a heavy forechecking, puck possession type line, which we've seen a lot of that from Geeky and Frederick. And now you're seeing a little bit more of it from Lauka kind of, elevating his game um, in a bigger role with better players. And yeah, they, they've been great. I mean, they had multiple shifts against Winnipeg where they just hem them in and like we're relentless and we're getting pucks and bodies to the net. Um, obviously, you know, it's like I said, scored uh, with Lauko scoring. You mentioned geeky involved in, in DeBrus' shorthanded goal. Um you know, Frederick, I think Frederick and Geeky both now have 11 points in the last 14 games. Um, I mean, that's just, that's tremendous production to be getting from third liners. And, I, you know, you mentioned chemistry and gelling, and that that's certainly a big part of it. Another part of it is all those new guys having to learn a new system in, in so many cases. And we've heard that from guys, you know. Kevin Chattenkirk being a healthy scratch and talking about sitting down with Monty and, and Jim Montgomery in Columbus and, you know, having to play faster, having to break bad habits that he had picked up in Anaheim. Uh, we've heard, you know, Jesper Bokvist recently, um, when he talked to the media, said, you know, it was a new system. It took him a while to learn it. His, his time in Providence playing the same system re- really helped. Morgan Geeky, Matt Potter, like new systems for them. And, you know, it's a lot of NHL teams play relatively similar systems. Like there aren't huge, huge differences from one to another, but there definitely are some. And in some of those cases, like those were pretty dramatic changes for those guys, you know, in, in Anaheim, Shattenkirk played on a team that really never had enough possession for defensemen to activate and get involved. Like he had to get back to something he was, you know, he's obviously done before, but not in like the last three years. Patra in juniors said um, Guelph played more man-to-man defense. He comes here and now it's all zone. Like that is a pretty big adjustment. 
and you're doing it at the NHL level. So add in the whole adjustment of speed and, and physicality and all that. Like it's, yeah, that there was a lot of growing that this team had to do and learning. And you're, you're definitely starting to see it come to fruition. 